Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, welcome back, everybody. Another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. We're really glad that you're uh, with us if you're listening. Um, if you want to interact with us, definitely visit our Facebook page again, uh, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast on Facebook. Drop us a message, drop us a like. We'd love to hear your feedback, love to hear your comments. Please, <laughs> please comment. Um, and as always, I'm joined by Zach and Robert again. Hola. And last episode, we had a very, very kind, not deep dive, but just a very good conversation about revelation and kind yeah. of end times and what does it all mean, all the symbolism, everything like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And I know it got me thinking a little bit about, um, you know, everybody calls it judgment day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a term that comes up a lot. And it started kind of thinking about what does that actually mean right so what does judgment day mean in terms of revelation when the world is judged but more importantly than that when we die and we're presented in front of the father like Mm -hmm. what does that mean for us to be judged Mm -hmm. i'll say that in air quotes because not really sure what that means Mm -hmm. um but as a believer versus a non-believer right uh, because that has very different meanings depending Mm -hmm, on you mm -hmm. know when you're presented in front of god if you're a believer or not Um, (laughs) things are very go very differently (laughs) for for you know yeah 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 Um, yeah absolutely so (laughs) yeah yeah the whole the whole look of fire yeah that's not something you want to experience um but uh yeah i do know that uh conversation i had um recently was talking about kind of facing god Mm mm-hmm um, after death and kind of wondering about all the shame and all of the sins and everything we've kind of done wrong and how it would be very hard to face God mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. with that. And when you're judged per mm-hmm, se mm-hmm. Um, and then excuse me, uh, how uh, that's kind of a scary prospect. Mm hmm. But then, you know, I started thinking back, well, when Jesus dies Mm -hmm. or when Jesus died for us on the cross, Mm -hmm. you know, his perfect resume, because that's a term that gets used a lot, Mm -hmm. um, is transferred for ours. He takes on our sin. Mm -hmm. We're given a spotless record. Mm -hmm. And when God looks at us as believers, Mm -hmm. he sees the holy, perfect Jesus. Right. And so when we die and we're presented to God, does he judge us based on our mortal sin here on earth? Or does he see that perfect record? And it's not a shameful admonishment, a retelling Mm -hmm. of our greatest, you know, sins. And this is everything you've done wrong. And this is how bad a person you are. Right, right, right. But go on in. (laughs) Um, So... So I guess, you know, kind of as a follow up to Revelation and Judgment Day and all this, I guess kind of let's let's dive into what that judgment looks like. What does that judgment mean? Mm-hmm. And and what does that look like to a believer versus a non-believer when when we go mm-hmm. um, or even if the rapture happens in our lifetime right, right. and the world ends and. So yeah, uh, I'd interesting to to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um. So I there's one thing that and and it's Paul that talks about it. Um. And I believe it's uh Romans, First Corinthians, Romans. It's one of those longer letters. (laughs) 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 Uh, Talks about like how to live is. Ah, I think it's. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just 
it's like whatever. So whereas live to um, I will edit it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> edit this out or edit it in. Yeah, but it says like um, whereas to live is to serve, and but to die is to be with Christ. Um, so there is the aspect, and then there also is the other aspect of it where it says uh, for as a man appointed a man wants to live. And then die, and after this, the judgment. Um, so I think there's definitely two different, um, uh, I guess you could say, faiths, so to speak. Um, you have the the believer who should not fear death, um, as as Paul said. You know, it's like to live is to serve the body of Christ, but to uh, to die. Um, is to be gained because you're with the Lord. And, and, you know, that was one thing that he said that he struggled with was um, it was better for him to be with us, like be with the church at the day and the time because he could be, um, uh, you know, a useful uh, uh, messenger for, uh, for the church. Or he could say that if he went up to be with the Lord, he could then have the peace. And he, and, and Paul's like, I don't, don't really know which one I want to do because part of me wants to be here with you guys and love you guys, but also part of me wants to be with the Lord. Um, so I kind of, you can kind of extrapolate that and go, well, I mean, Paul's not really afraid uh, to face the Lord, you know, like, so if he's not really afraid, because this is a guy who persecuted the church in the beginning. Um, and not only did he personally, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times, uh, um, and he murdered people, or had pe- had people yeah. murdered. If if even though he didn't do it, he was behind people who did it and supported people who did it. Mm-hmm. So, if if Paul was actually looking forward to going to being you know dead, it would stand to reason that he wouldn't face some sort of judgment because of his previous acts. If that makes sense. I mean, because if anybody had reason to be ashamed of their their previous life, it would be him. And I would think that under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he would be like, "Hey, guys, this this is this is something that you're going to have to face if you know you know when you guys believe." But it's take courage, you know, you don't go to hell or something. You know, like it would make sense that he would then kind of like say, like, "Okay, well, I don't want to." die just yet because I don't want to face this but he doesn't say those things so in my head it's like mm, well maybe maybe you know like there's some sort of you know talk of like rewards or something like that and maybe you could even see sort of like what you could have done see the opportunities that God gave you and that you chose to do the opposite and maybe there'd be something like that as he gives out rewards. Um, but I would still say in my head, it sounds like that he would definitely not hold us accountable for our, our sins. Because it's like Jesus died for our sins. And when, when that happens, as you mentioned, like his record becomes our record. Not that, that God gets spiritual amnesia. And like forgets all that you've done, but he looks to Jesus. He doesn't look to you, and he sees Christ's sacrifice as perfect and 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 good, and and totally uh, pays the debt, so to speak, for that. So, but that doesn't give everybody who's a believer free reign to sin. Right, 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 right. right. Yes, absolutely. That doesn't. Yeah, it's not like, hey, uh, yeah, because that's that's one thing Paul talks about. He's like, that doesn't mean like because uh, I have the freedom to do it, therefore I should do it so that grace may abound. No, God forbid, do not do that. Um, <laughs> but I think it's safe to say, like, and Robert, you can extrapolate more on this because I feel like we could talk. Maybe we could talk about the believer. We could talk about that the first little bit, and then we come back to the unbeliever. Oh yeah. So you want to give your thoughts on believer? Believer, yeah. Um, you know, judgment, and we've we've touched on this in the last couple minutes. Judgment for a believer just means something entirely different for an unbeliever. 
Um, the word judgment, now usually when we talk about it in churches or we hear it on the radio, and right before we started recording, I was talking about the cliche uh, crackling radio preacher. You always, you've always, you either heard it on your own radio or in movies where a character is driving in the pouring rain and somebody's preaching hellfire brimstone over a crackly radio while they're trying to find some music on the in the car. But uh, when we hear judgment in those contexts, the, the cliche church context is just kind of like a, you know, a kind of a, a rite of passage where you've got to pay for the things that you've done. You know, if you haven't uh, pay, paid enough, if you haven't gone to church enough, if you haven't done enough, you've got to do something to earn your way in. And judgment is the idea that, you know, the sh- and we've already talked about the shame being thrown back in your face. But basically, judgment, the word itself just means an assessment. Um, honestly, there's a, if you think about it now, this is on a much less grand scale, but for anybody who's employed for any length of time, we already have annual reviews. And so there's kind of a judgment day where, right where you work, but, uh, it's definitely not on such a grand scale, but for a believer, it's just an entirely different ball game. Um, I believe that there are, uh, two different levels of judgment in scripture. Uh, the first one it's just a basic black and white judgment. Now, all human beings are condemned, period, from birth. And the good news is that through Jesus, that condemnation is taken away. We quoted Romans before we recorded. Romans 12.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for anyone who's in Jesus. Amen. Now, what's interesting is the Greek is a lot more emphatic than the English. What that means is in the Greek, it uses a specific root term for that. It's not only is there no condemnation, but condemnation's not even possible. And so no matter how much you fight to have condemnation, if you're in Jesus, it just doesn't exist. And so I believe that's the first judgment, the first assessment is black and white. Do you have faith in my son or do you do or do you not? And if you don't, of course, that is separation from God. That is hell. I don't like talking about it, but it is a reality in Scripture. And if you have him, of course, that is reunion with Christ. That's being uh, allowing that bridge to be repaired with him. And then you've got the second-tier judgment, which is much more in-depth. That is the one I believe Jesus is warning about. When you see him in the Gospels, he's constantly preaching about the fact that every word is going to be scrutinized, every deed is going to be scrutinized. And what that judgment is for humans who are believers, it's not trying to distinguish whether you've earned something or not. It's literally taking someone who is already saved and trying to determine different levels of reward, kind of kind of like a standing ovation in heaven for what you've done. Uh, the idea that, you know, somebody who has done the amount of work as, you know, a Billy Graham or a Thomas Aquinas or a St. Augustine, their acts and deeds are going to be scrutinized, not just the deeds themselves, but their very motives. And he's actually uses, Paul uses the metaphor of kind of burning wood away to see what lasts. And so he says that the, the false words, the idle words, the time that we've wasted, the deeds we did that were either bad or good deeds with bad motives, mm. all these are going to burn away in anything that we have left, if there's anything at all. Uh, someone who you know, completely threw themselves headlong into ministry, a Mother Teresa type, or even someone who got saved and then squandered the rest of their time, he says both are going to be saved. Both are going to go into heaven. They're going to both enjoy the presence of God. They're both going to be in the same exact realm as one another. But the difference is the one who did the more is actually going to receive a larger reward to take with them into heaven. And he actually says that those who have a very, very small reward or none at all will be saved, but saved by the skin of their teeth. Mm. And it'll be a little bit of an embarrassment for the person. But in the moment, he's basically saying that the person will simply be grateful to be saved because they'll realize they don't deserve that. And what it is, it's not just a, it's not trying to make people jump through bigger and larger hoops. I know that has been manipulated a lot, the idea of judgment. Therefore, you must do everything. You've got or to not give, do. <laughs> not do everything. You've got to give more. You've got to act more. You've got to avoid more in the world. And it becomes, a, a, a ju- honestly, it just becomes a, a grueling affair trying to please that mentality. But 
the healthy way to see the judgment, the in-depth judgment. It's really just a loving way to cause give Christians inspiration to serve their maker. Now, uh, thankfulness for being saved is the ultimate um, motive for those who desire desire to serve and appease Christ. Now, Christ himself, though, has promised these rewards as an incentive for people. The idea that your life, if it is lived out for Christ, will not be wasted because that's the life that will receive higher rewards that you can keep. All the rewards of the world will pass away, but the heavenly rewards will be there forever and ever. And that was meant to be an encouragement and a comfort to those who were worried about their lives being thrown away at the hands of angry Romans, at the hands of hateful pagans who were literally trying to kill them, imprison them, squander them. And Paul was saying that these rewards are there so that you don't have to wonder if your life was thrown away, if it was ended in a martyr's death, or if the years of your life were spent in a ministry that seemed to be climbing uphill. He said no matter what you do, those rewards are going to be there. That time you spent and nobody got saved, nobody received the message or responded to it, or it was really meager and you were discouraged by it. He says that all those things are actually going to be rewarded in the end. Therefore, you don't have to worry about the days of your life being squandered after you've received your salvation. And so we've got uh, that judgment to look forward to because um, every second that you do spend with a good motive, doing something genuinely out of love for Christ, not not trying to earn heaven, but simply saying thank you to him for giving you heaven, those rewards are going to be given to you. And you can't lose the rewards. It's not like you're going to go owing any more debt in heaven. It's you're going to get a little bit or you're going to get a lot or you're going to get something in between. But everybody's going to go to heaven with something. And if nothing else, you're going to go with Jesus and Jesus is enough. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because it sounds like because being a sinful human, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a mortal, um, it falls into the trap of it seems like there'd be people out there who, the overachievers who are doing all this stuff, not necessarily because they're grateful to God or want to bring glory to God, but mm-hmm. they're just like, I'm just trying to rack up as many points in heaven as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I know, want the jewels. Yeah. And... and <laughs> So I guess, you know, how do you fight? Because, I mean, obviously we're supposed to do everything for the glory of God. And mm-hmm. like yep. you said, for the love of Jesus. And mm-hmm. because, you know, we shouldn't do something for the reward. We should love each other. We should mm-hmm. spread the gospel because we genuinely in our hearts want to. Right. Mm-hmm. For the sake of our fellow man. But, you know, how do you fight that temptation? If, if that is something that you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, kind of like. You know, oh, I'm, you know, tallying up my points of, you know, I saved more people than this guy, so I get yep. a better mansion, or mm-hmm. I'm, I get the better parking spot, or, <laughs> well, you know, whatever. And, oh, yeah. And then that leads to, like, what kind of, what kind of heavenly treasures? Like, um, so mm. that's another question that I'm sure a lot of people who aren't believers or new believers mm-hmm. would be thinking, well if God's the source of everything and mm-hmm. we won't have the need for money or Ferraris or mm-hmm. private yachts or whatever, like what are those heavenly treasures that we would be blessed with? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a great question. Um, well, I would say one thing it could be, again, this is speculation because when, if, if you take, you know, the book of revelation, where it says at the end where there's a new heaven and a new earth and, and the old earth passed away but the new but the new one exists, then it would stand to reason that um, that it's going to be a physical place. Mm-hmm. And not only is it going to be a physical place, but we will be physical. And, and before the fall, we had jobs. We had man, man and woman had jobs. Um, so it stands to reason that these rewards could even be some sort of placement in this new society coming up. And it could be some of the talents that you um, have developed on this side get used in the new heaven and new earth, the new kingdom, so to speak. And so it might be like, you know, your sphere of influence could be 
bigger or something like that, or God uses your uh, some of the talents that you've given you know that He's given you basically, and and then you use them for that ministry. Um, and it would be like something that would be so fulfilling that like maybe even you might on this side of things wonder what, you know, what your life's for or whatever, or maybe what is this talent for that will actually be played out and, and be used in the new heaven and new earth. So there's that as a possibility. Um, mm. And then you also have just, I mean the the possibility of seeing like you know again going into a different idea of maybe like god showing you kind of like how you influence the world in a positive way like and seeing the people that you impacted in a positive way as well and came to become believers like you seeing that like god's like okay in this instance you did it for the right reasons. You did it for the right motives. And because of that, this person eventually became a believer. Mm-hmm. And here's your part that you played in that. So now enter your in your master's joy because not only did you do what you're supposed to do, but here's the fruit of what you see. Here's mm-hmm. here's your, mm-hmm. your brothers and sisters that are here spe- specifically because of you doing what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. It's great, great stuff, great yeah. ideas. And one thing I can definitely say, and like you said, the speculation, the idea of, you know, accolades, the idea of, you know, heavenly applause, the idea of spending time with people that you had a hand in. Mm-hmm. One thing I can say for absolute certain, <laughs> uh, no, maybe it's not absolute certain, but I just really doubt it's going to be material things. Oh, yeah. Like, right, yeah golden speakers and a cool new watch i mean that falls right into the trap you're talking about brian is i'm gonna build this up i'm gonna get myself a nice pad in heaven and it's a constant danger to want even even the non-material rewards i do think they are mm-hmm. and the best escape safeguard is to just look at your motives um constantly assess your motives because someone could become the next billy graham and if their motives are wrong if they just wanted the fame if they just wanted to rack up points in heaven if they just wanted to impress their brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. the whole thing's going to burn away Mm -hmm. and that would be a disaster and honestly in a way it kind of evens that out really well because I mean, definitely God knows what he's doing when you think through the whole thing. It's a pretty neat system. I mean, you've got an incentive to obey because you it's the ho- the promise that God sees and God will reward those who, you know, go completely unnoticed in this world. I remember there's a book by C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, and it's a f- phenomenal story about, um, it's an allegory through heaven and hell. And uh, this young woman is, you know, ridiculously famous in heaven and the narrator asks what she did to become so famous and they they just said well she was small on earth but she was very very faithful in the slums of england uh loving and leading people but now she is famous because you know of all everything she had done for christ but uh it's this promise that you will be noticed but once you swing into the uh, the temptation of doing a little too much for the wrong reasons you're always wanting to, you know, save one more person than your neighbor. You're always wanting to plant one more church than your neighbor, uh, witness one more time for your neighbor, not for the sake of witnessing to the person, but for the sake of saying you did it. Mm. That's when the it's uh, on the on the other side of the scale. It's also really strong incentive to learn when to chop off the fat, stop burning the candles on both ends, stop doing everything. Mm. And knowing when to do less because it'll be healthier. Because God knows. <laughs> God knows you're not doing yeah. it for the right reason. Yeah, it's like, oh, you think you're hiding your motives from me, but you're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the fiercest things we can do as human beings is when we hide our motives from ourselves. Mm. There have been many times, yeah, I thought, oh, I need to do this. This would be great. And then I realized I was just doing it out of a sense of guilt, out of not doing enough, or out of sense of... uh you know, this peer pressure that's in the church that, like, if you're not part of this program this in the summer, you obviously hate Jesus. They would never say it, but that's the message you get. Mm-hmm. That's the, the tone that comes across. That's the tone that comes across. And then you realize maybe 
Now, God still used it. He will always use it. And thank God if someone got saved through it. But it's possible I've been part of massive evangelistic outreach programs where youth people, young people were saved. And every last bit of my reward in God's eyes burned away because I just did it because I didn't want people to wonder why I wasn't there. Mm. That's deep stuff. <laughs> Some and and heart, ouch, painful. Painful heart incision stuff. Mm. And so it's always an incentive to keep things in the in the narrow, straight way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do nothing, but do some do something, but don't do it all for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And and, and it's better to be lean in the sense of acts if it means one, you're spiritually healthy, and two, you know, it it doesn't puff up your ego. Like it doesn't like you know, kind of like what you're talking about, like, whereas, like, if you did something and it's like you're doing it because you feel guilty, it's like, eh, it's not really the right way to be approaching this or whatever. Nope. Um, so there's that. And now we come to <laughs> the other side, the people who reject God. Ooh. And that is the great white throne judgment. That is the judgment that you don't want to be a part of. This is your name in that book of life. Yeah, 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 it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like so, so like, so in the end times, you have the what's called the Great White Throne of Judgment, and that's kind of like every believer. If you have an inkling understanding of Revelation, even if you disagree on some of the things, the White Throne of Judgment is a terrifying thought. Because it is, it's for all unbelievers. So essentially, at least, you know, granted, you know, there's a lot of uh, opinions out there and a lot of interpretations. But um, so there's people who hold the view that, you know, if you don't get saved, you don't believe God, you don't trust God, you reject God, that after you die, you go to a temporary hell just like those who do believe go to a temporary heaven um and then when time takes its course and the fulfillment of revelation take place the millennial kingdom all those things happen then comes the white throne of judgment and then you have a resurrected body um both 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 groups the Christians, the people who believe God, get resurrected body, and then the people who are unbelievers actually get a resurrected body as well. Oh, um, that. yeah, mm-hmm. and and that is that's something that's really important also because basically, whereas the believer gets to be in the presence of God for eternity, gets the joys and the you know all the the benefits even the benefits that we don't even we don't even know that we're getting that we don't even understand that's coming that we're like when we get it and we're going to be in and in, in all of the awesomeness of god um then you have the people on the other side of the spectrum who decided that they didn't want god and this world was their oyster so to speak um they will come face to face with god and bow before him whether they want to or not and then he will say depart from me for i never knew you um there's probably more to it than that um but basically in a nutshell they end up exactly where they want to go um in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and and it could even be that one of the reasons why they gnashed their teeth they're so angry is because they went through this entire life thinking there wasn't a God and then end up with a resurrected body suffering an internal um, separation from God. So like the literal physical um, anguish of knowing that God exists, but you're not with him. Uh, I think I think that's a pretty terrifying place to be. Uh <laughs> I know I don't want to go there. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I don't think there's anybody who understands, even if it has a small little tiny inkling of what hell could be like, wants to go there. Now, I mean, you obviously have those people who claim that they've died and they went to hell and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't no. buy that at all. 
No. I think I think that's just somebody trying to get uh, <laughs> somebody trying to get uh, uh, just they're basically in a way mocking God. I think is really what that boils down to. Um, but going kind of like back to what that means, essentially like um, it's it's the exact opposite. So like for Christians, we have the covering of the blood of Jesus over us. Like literally Jesus' account is covers over all of our sins and things of that nature. Like all the bad stuff, whether it's murder, abortion, um, whatever vile evil that you could think of, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, by His grace you are saved, and thus you will not feel the wrath of God. You will not see the wrath of God. However, if you reject God, then all the things that you did wrong, you will be held accountable for, and you will pay the price for those things. Like, if you... Uh, choose to be a rapist, you will be held accountable for that. And, uh, you know, you might have got away with it here on on this side of things, but you're not going to get away with it on that side of things. Uh, And literally, basically, whether it's metaphoric or actual, literal, basically, like, the deeds of those who perished, you know, or who rejected God get examined and you're not in the book of life. In other words, you're not, you've not submitted yourself to the Lord. Therefore, the wrath of God is upon you. And then after that, then after you go through the fact that, you know, here's your life, here's what you've done, here's what you've done wrong, etc., 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 then God's like, all right, you have, you go this way. And then you submit to, um, God's judgment saying that he's right to send you to hell um, because you've chosen to do evil. Um, in my understanding, that's that's kind of like how that goes. And Robert, you can add whatever or take away whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one thing to just add to the everything that Zach just said is just the simple idea that um, what am I trying to say here? Just the simple idea that you know, we're all born with a sinful nature, mm-hmm. and uh, I once, and sometimes people giggle when I say this, they they find this a little uh, of a cheesy title, but I say that God is the cosmic cop, since he is holy and he is everything good, he must stand against evil wherever he finds it, and he found it in us because we fell away from him. And so we've got this idea that every life that has been less than perfect, and by that it's literally every single life that has ever lived or ever will live. Someone has to pay for those things in, in, a, in a penal sense, in, in, in the sense of uh, God's courtroom, the, the economy of the soul, uh, God's uh, issue of justice. And there are reasons for all of this, but Someone has to pay for that, and it's either going to be Jesus because he he's willing to pay for everyone who comes to him, or you yourself are going to have to pay. Now, one big objection that we get very often is, why would a lifetime of sins, plural, lead to an eternal damnation? In other words, it's, the way they see it, it's almost like you still chewing gum, and they lock you in prison for life without parole. And they say that the punishment just does not fit the crime at all. On one level, I actually really agree with that. An eternity in hell does not fit the crime of a lifetime of sin. But the thing that actually puts you there is not the individual deeds and acts that you've committed. Now, Scripture makes it very clear that in judgment, you're going to have to account for all of those things. Those are all going to be piled evidence against you. But the things that are going to be piled against you are evidence of a deeper problem. These things are just the symptoms. It's like getting sick and you've got the sneeze and the cough and the headache. Now, you could plug up your nose, you could put salve down your throat, but you're still going to have a virus. And so the thing that takes you into this eternal state is the simple fact that you were born with a sin nature. And so one, one theologian put it to me, you do not go to hell for your sins, plural. You actually go to hell for your sin, singular and the individual sins that you have to account for are actually just symptoms and evidence of the fact that there is a sin problem underneath 
And so uh, that's one reason I believe God allows some heinous things to happen by human free will is that evidence is going to rack up against them and there's not going to be anything that they can say. They chose to abduct the child. They chose to kill that that puppy. They chose to uh, cause harm for their own gain. They chose to do this and that and the list goes on and on. But because they have chosen to do it, they have no reason to claim that God is false in his accusation of the heart. Um, you don't have to do those things for God to see the heart, but those things definitely make it completely impossible to for the human to deny. And when we all stand before God, we're either going to be thankful that his son paid that price, or we're going to be absolutely terrified that the time has come. I mean, it's chilling to think that, the, and I know we've talked about it on the show before, but the encounter of Jesus with the demoniac and the legion says, please, Lord, don't make me pay my debt right now the time is not yet i mean it would be terrifying to imagine the voice the 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 same sentences spoken by a demon are in the voice of those we knew and so and yet they had a way out the demons didn't but we did and we didn't choose it and that's the the message of the gospel and if anyone says it's unfair yeah it's totally unfair the world is unfair and nothing else is very fair if if we tried to be totally fair, everyone would go to heaven for free, but it wouldn't be just. And the reasons for all of this is if you had heaven full of the Hitlers of the world, of the rapists of the world, the Napoleons of the world without any sense of remorse or repentance, if you were stuck with Jack the Ripper next door to you, that would not be heaven. That would be chaos not on earth that would be chaos after earth that would be the purge that never ends and so what god was doing is he is collecting those who are willing to bend the knee those who are willing to bow the back those who are willing to submit in heart and in deed and in mind and in thought to who he is and those are the ones who are willing to live in heaven and call it heaven rather than being upset because their lives are so restricted by the moral code that God demands. And so those who are willing to be servants can be servants in the kingdom. And those who aren't willing to be servants, they don't have to go to the kingdom at all. But they're being warned, very frankly, that there's only one kingdom worth going to. And this is the, the great uh, shuffle of souls throughout Scripture, throughout history, in salvation history. It's those who either have him or don't. And those who do not have him, they're not going into some torture chamber. He's not, you know condemning them to you know never-ending reruns of saw movies he, they don't, <laughs> they're not on a table shrieking their heads off if you see a medieval painting admire it for art uh you know bask in the the intelligence that painted the picture but don't take that as your four score view of what hell is he's not up there cackling with his hands ringing because he gets to see a bunch of uh naked heretics burn and get tortured and stabbed and ripped open and no they, these these people are tormented simply because they are no longer in the presence of god who is the source of all good and he's begging the world while they have a chance in your own free will please take me i'm here i'm here i won't intrude on you but if you want me here i am and he always pursues and so that's the the great hope but it's also the great warning because Judgment Day is coming, and it's either going to be a great day for you, it's something you can look forward to with excitement, or it's something that you need to be very, very afraid of. And when we say it, when Scripture says it, we don't try to make your hair stand on end to the point where you're trying to jump into the arms of Jesus just to escape hell. It's just trying to get you to understand the position where you're in. This is where you are headed because without understanding the position you're in, you can't understand what you need. You can't understand your need for a Savior unless you absolutely understand the status that you have as a sinner. You are going to be separated from Him because you can't be in the presence of perfection. But the perfect one made a way, are you willing to take it? And that's the doctrine of hell in a nutshell, as easily, as even-headedly, and as biblically as we can present it. Amen. Kind of a shorter episode, but still a lot of really great content. Yeah. Um, I really hope uh, anybody listening out there um, kind of takes that to heart. Of it's just a choice. Yeah. And it's it's just a simple leap of faith. Mm -hmm. It's not 
anything you have to do. It's not a series of actions. It's not a series of rituals or anything right. you have to perform, yeah. good deeds, whatever. It's simply just accepting. Mm-hmm. And that that can be the difference. Yeah. Like what Robert said, when, when that day comes, it's mm-hmm. either going to be a great day or the worst day of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a matter of just faith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and you don't have to you don't have to experience hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean he, he gives I mean he gives you what you want and but you don't realize the cost, the eternal ramification of that because it it is a terrifying thought to realize that all the things that I done wrong if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't become a believer, would be shown to me, shown how, especially to a holy and righteous being, just how bad those things were, and then pay the consequences of those because I refused his solution versus being thankful that he paid the price for me so that I could then live with him Love him because he first loved me, and 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 have a a, a a life ongoing of gratitude, and and not that not that the new heaven and new earth is a, a bunch of bonuses, but at the same time, it's like you get to be with God, but you also get all these wonderful things in addition to that. That um, you get to be with Jesus, you get to be with the man who. Um, suffered and died willingly for me, for Robert, for Brian, for whoever out there is listening to this right now, right now. You know, mm-hmm. all these people who have accepted Jesus, being able to have that relationship, and it is, it is such an amazing thing, knowing that. God loves you and that you are not defined by the things that you've did but or the you know or even the people that you've hurt you know um like I think of Paul again we've talked about him numerous times this guy was a murderer like he literally had people murdered but because he understood who Jesus was because he understood um salvation and because he accepted that he didn't fear death. If anything, he was torn between wanting to go to be with the Lord or still serving the church. Um, that's an amazing thing to look forward to. Um, whether it's we hang out for however long and then the new heaven and new earth comes about or however the end times happens, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What matters is we get to be with the Lord and and that's that's the ultimate joy that surpasses everything i mean and and to reject that and to say no to that that's your freedom that's your decision but there's a cost and that is there are serious consequences there are serious consequences you can still live the life you want to live it's your freedom it's your choice but there will be consequences I mean, there's good consequences for the believer, and there's bad consequences for the unbeliever, if that makes sense. And to kind of go back to what Robert said on the flip side of that, yeah. and this is part of it being totally unfair, mm-hmm. but and to an extent that's, you know, you could, be, you could go through life trying to be the best person possible. Mm-hmm. You volunteer, you, uh, you know, feed the homeless, mm-hmm. you adopt all the puppies you help old ladies cross the street and you drop you could, kick all the cats yeah. <laughs> but i mean you could be you could be the most try to live in your eyes the most perfect life that you can mm-hmm. but in the end mm-hmm. god's going to you know he'll still say you know get away from me i don't know you well, if you haven't accepted right so it all comes down to that and so that's and i would the even only thing that matters yeah and i'd even argue that 
you know, if you try and put all these efforts into being the best person, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the second you have a bad day, that ruins it all. I mean, so you, it's like if you try to be the best person that you could possibly be, you know what's going to happen is you're going to fail. Yeah. Because you can't – there is no human being that will be perfect all the time. There's I mean, only one. There's only ever. one. I mean, you'll get caught in traffic and you will road rage. And then you're like, mm, there it is. <laughs> or or somebody will greet you with the one finger as they cut you off and and you choose to respond in anger instead of love. I mean, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely impossible uh, to do those things, to, to be that perfection apart from a holy God getting a hold of your heart and changing you. And even then, you still mess up. But it's God's grace, and it's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was had a conversation with someone, and we were kind of talking about faith and and believing. And um, I kind of asked him, you know, why, why wouldn't you believe? Mm-hmm. And he tried to come at it from a perspective. And I mean, I get it to a non-believer. It's mm. a totally valid question. But um, he just recently had a kid. And he was like, I don't know how I can believe or have faith in a God who can condemn someone like my new child, you know, mm-hmm. to an eternity of hell. Mm-hmm. Um whether you know because he he kind of said robert to your point there's nothing bad you could possibly do that would warrant an eternity of condemnation and he's coming at it from that mindset of why would a just loving god Mm -hmm. condemn somebody especially you know him looking at his new kid Mm -hmm. saying you know a kid who's done nothing wrong who could grow up to do amazing things live an amazing life Mm -hmm. and then still be content condemned to you know Mm -hmm. and and so to a non-believer i mean and i mean that 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 does stick that does resonate Mm -hmm. because our logic Mm -hmm. that you can you can just you can kind of make sense of that Mm -hmm. argument Mm -hmm. But it all comes down to, you know, there's none of us mm-hmm. through our works that have the right or earn a place in heaven. Right. You know. Well, and and, uh, and a side note, you know, it's like if you choose to be an atheist, like, like you're upset that God want, you know, is going to give you a choice of heaven or hell. And people choose hell, whereas, like, if atheism is true, like, objectively, if atheism is objectively true, and there is no heaven, there is no hell, then you look at your children and realize that, give or take some personal tragedy happening, they're going to live 80 years, 90 years at most, and then they're going to die, and they're going to be nothing left. They're, they're going to be, there's not going to be any sort of eternal good or bad. Mm-hmm. They're just it's it's just dust in the wind, so to speak, and it's like it's like and would you such a y- depressing yeah, horrible like right. outlook on life? Yeah, I mean it's like I mean there's there's your nihilism right there. It's like well you know what nothing matters nothing matters it's all meaningless it's all meaningless. That means if I choose to do good, it doesn't matter. If I choose to do evil, it doesn't matter. If I choose to do good sometimes and bad sometimes, it doesn't matter. And and I feel like that is like the ultimate like irony. It's like you want to get upset because there's the option of heaven or hell, and heaven is for those who love God, and hell is for those who don't want anything to do with God. But then you, if you choose atheism, then and you're going to hold on to a view that these people don't have a future outside of this physical body. And it's like then you're condemning them to 80, 90 years of life. And then, you know, if they're lucky, you know, or if they get an accident or something happens or a disease or sickness or what have then they're it. That's it. They're done. It's game over. No more. No mas. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like how much like 
you want to talk and tote around about science and this and that, but it's like how much more depressing is it to realize that you got 80 years, that's it, and it's game over. And no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Or would you rather have the belief in a God that is holy and just and gives you the option to choose where you want to go? I feel like, honestly, it's like the fact that he gives you the choice of, okay, you can be with me and you will be fulfilled in ways that you can't even comprehend. Or you can choose to not be with me and you're going to regret it, but that's your decision that you make. And, and the fact that that's even on the table, the fact that we can have the the opportunity to be with God is is an amazing development that just surpasses all understanding. None of us deserve heaven, but he gives it to us. And the thing is, and I'm not... And when I say this, it's not coming from a place to belittle yeah. what it is or to downplay the importance. Mm-hmm. But the barrier to entry into heaven is so low. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the fact that all it is is just believing that Jesus died for your sins and that he is the son of God and he's your savior. Yeah, And to just follow and trust in him Mm -hmm. you don't have to do grand works nope i mean you should want to just for the sake of loving god but Mm -hmm. you don't have to try you don't have to follow a code to like Mm -hmm. keep your status like Mm -hmm. it's such a i wouldn't say e I'm trying to phrase it to where it doesn't sound it's like simple. it's simple yeah it's simple yeah but it's not um it's simple that anybody can do it. A child can do it. Yeah. But it's also the most demanding thing because, and it's the it, hardest thing because you've got to. It directly goes against everything, your nature. Your, everything. It's no longer me in charge. It's God. It's me constantly surrendering and saying, oh, you're right. I'm wrong. Go, Lord. <laughs> and that's why it just baffles me because I can. I can see to a non-believer, mm-hmm. someone who's agnostic, they're on the fence. They're just not sure. Mm-hmm. And they could be persuaded, you know, whatever. You can kind of work with that. It's just the people who just blatantly just flat out reject mm-hmm. of there is no God. You're dumb. It's just, it's just ghost stories. It's just, yeah. you know hullabaloo and you're stupid for believing you're you know you're delusional whatever Mm -hmm. and just just the staunch adamant rejection Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of what blows me away yeah you know Mm -hmm. i don't yeah i got you Well, anyway, um, <laughs> to end on that really light note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Judgment of God. It's a light note. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, no. Um, yeah. I, I hope you, uh, if you're listening, got something out of that. Um, I know I did. That's a it's a it's a very deep topic. And I think that's it gets at the core of of a lot of people of why they believe or why they choose to not believe. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, we would love, like I said at the beginning, we'd love your comments, love your feedback, love to engage with you. So visit our Facebook, the achieving Christian thought podcast, um, our Facebook page, the uh, is our website. Uh, we will be back with you next time for another episode. And, um, Yeah, uh, we love you guys. Uh, Thanks for listening. Yeah. See y'all. So long. See ya.